Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. We've been talking about the central message of Jesus, the core concept around which he organized all of his teachings. There really cannot be any doubt about what that message was. The gospel or good news as Jesus brought it has to do with the kingdom of God. Indeed, in Luke 4, verse 43, a vitally important verse for Christians if they're to understand their Savior and their Lord and their teacher well, Luke 4:43 unpacks for us the mind of Jesus in a brilliant way. In that verse, Luke 4:43, Jesus said, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason for which God sent me. So Jesus gives us in that verse the whole reason for the existence of Christianity. It has to do with the preaching and proclamation of the saving gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the reason why Jesus was commissioned, and that therefore is the reason why Christians who follow Jesus are sent to do the same work of preaching the gospel of the kingdom. How well are we doing in this matter of preaching the kingdom? If the kingdom of God seems to be a somewhat nebulous idea in your mind, then stay with us as we continue to probe this vital topic of the kingdom of God. It's absolutely essential that Christians be entirely clear what Jesus meant by the kingdom. How otherwise can we respond to his first command, which is to repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom? Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, we saw that even after the resurrection of Jesus, he continued with the same theme of the kingdom of God. In Acts 1-3, we find that Jesus reappeared as the immortalized Jesus that he then was, and he continued to speak to them about the affairs of the kingdom of God, Acts 1-3. Now, Luke goes on to tell us in his second book, the book of Acts, about the information required by potential converts before they could be baptized into the Christian faith. Here's what Luke records for us. In Acts 8 and verse 12, we read the following. When they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, both men and women. Now, in addition to that uh, kingdom text in Acts 8:12, we have other indications of Paul's continued emphasis on the kingdom of God as the heart of the gospel. In Acts 19, verse 8, for instance, we find Paul preaching the kingdom for three months. In Acts 20, verse 25, Paul recalls that during the whole of his ministry, he continued to preach the kingdom. That's the way he sums up his own ministry. It was a preaching of the kingdom of God. Acts 20, verse 25. And at the very end of the book of Acts, the same theme is prominent in the preaching of Paul. And so we find Paul then imitating Jesus, copying the style of Jesus as he continued to preach the very same message of the kingdom that Jesus had made the heart of his own gospel. And so in Acts 28, verse 23, we find that Paul met with some Jews, and from dawn till dusk he argued with them, he dialogued with them from the Hebrew Bible, what we perhaps unfortunately call the Old Testament. And the theme 
of Paul's dialogue with the Jews on that occasion was the kingdom of God. And when some of those Jews then refused to believe in the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, as Paul presented it to them, Paul then announced that he was going to take the very same salvation message, the same message of the kingdom, to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what we find him doing then in the very last verses of the book of Acts, Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. We read that Paul welcomed the people and began preaching the kingdom of God, testifying to the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And this went on for a full two years as Paul preached the same gospel as Jesus had unhindered in Rome. There's a remarkable parallel and similarity between what Jesus did. In Luke 9, verse 11, we read that he welcomed the people and began immediately to talk of the kingdom of God. And in Acts 28, verse 30, Paul welcomed all who came to his house and he preached the very same gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, it's an amazing fact, but contemporary preachers often admit to the fact that they are not preaching the kingdom of God. I want to bring you some rather startling quotations along that line in subsequent programs. But for the moment, let's see what it was that Jesus meant by this gospel of the kingdom. Jesus promised a supreme reward to his disciples. They were to assist in the rulership of the new world or new age of the coming kingdom. Here are Jesus' own words at the end of his ministry. In Luke 22, verses 28 to 30, Jesus said this, I assign to you a kingdom, or I covenant with you a kingdom, as my Father has covenanted me a kingdom, and you're going to sit on thrones to govern the twelve tribes of Israel. You'll find that remarkable text in Luke 22, verses 28 to 30. Now, the word judge there that appears in some of our translations is a little bit misleading. When Jesus promised that the disciples, the apostles, in fact, were going to judge the twelve tribes, the word judge there has the sense of governing and administering. You remember, for example, that in the Old Testament, the book of Judges is not a book about those who are issuing punishments and sentences. It's a book about those who administered Israel. And so the word judge in the Bible often has this sense of administration or governing. So there in Luke 22, verses 28 to 30, Jesus spells out the reward of the faithful Christian. It is to help administer a new world government when Jesus comes back. You find the same thing said in Matthew 19 and verse 28 on a different occasion in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus promised that in the new age or the new world, when the world is reborn, you disciples who have followed me faithfully through my trials will sit on twelve thrones to administer the twelve tribes of Israel. No wonder then that Paul, faithfully following Jesus, could sum up his whole ministry by calling it a preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. You see, Jesus promised this kingdom as the supreme reward of the disciples, and the good news, therefore, is about the kingdom of God. That's the goal, that's the objective of being a Christian. And that objective, that hope, and that ultimate goal for the Christian is set before us in the gospel, in the challenge to follow Jesus. 
It means to believe in the gospel of the kingdom and also, of course, the fact that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again from the dead. Now, it's not surprising then that Jesus, in his famous Olivet prophecy, towards the end of his ministry, when he outlined all the extraordinary events which have to happen before he returned, before he will return, that is, in the future, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 14, This gospel about the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. And so only when the gospel of the kingdom has circled the globe, only when that warning has been issued about a coming cataclysm, which in fact will be the return of Jesus Christ to set up the kingdom, only when that warning has gone forth across the whole world will the end of the age come. Matthew 24, verse 14. Now, with this evidence before us, and there's much more, we may say that no one honestly in search of biblical truth can miss recognizing the principal idea behind the Christian message of salvation. The kingdom of God is undoubtedly the heart and the core of Jesus and the apostles' preaching of salvation, the basic idea around which true Christianity revolves. Now, if you will agree, then, that the foundation of the Christian message has to do with the gospel of the kingdom, you may find it rather surprising that contemporary commentators on Christianity admit that the kingdom of God is not the central message when people proclaim the gospel in the 1990s. In fact, there has been an extraordinary absence of information about the gospel of the kingdom of God throughout the whole of the past 2,000 years, since the time, in fact, shortly after the death of the apostles. If we inquire of various contemporary denominations, we soon discover that the kingdom of God is one of the least well-known topics in their preaching. I want to read you now the words of a former head of the Church of England, and these point to an extraordinary absence of Jesus' central message. Apparently, the churches have not been proclaiming the same message as Jesus and the apostles did. Consider these words of this distinguished church leader and scholar, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Church of England. He said this, Every generation finds something in the gospel which is of special importance to itself and seems to have been overlooked in the previous age or sometimes in all previous ages of the church. The great discovery of the age in which we live is the immense prominence given to the gospel of the kingdom of God. To us it's quite extraordinary that it figures so little in the theology and religious writings of almost the entire period of Christian history. Certainly in the gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke, the kingdom of God has a prominence which could hardly be exaggerated. That was from William Temple, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, writing in a book called Personal Religion and the Life of Fellowship. Now that scholar observed that the kingdom of God has enormous prominence in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and yet he admits that during the course of church history, the kingdom of God has figured very little in the theology and the preaching of the church. We trust that the impact of these astonishing facts will not be missed 
While churches have continued to function for the past nearly 2,000 years since the time of Jesus, there seems to be a glaring difference between what Jesus taught and what we have been teaching. This does not have to do with matters of secondary importance. The factor which has been lacking in preaching and teaching is nothing less than the very heart and center of all that Jesus taught, the gospel message about the kingdom. There is no room for disagreement that the kingdom of God was indeed the subject of Jesus' entire message and mission. For example, one commentator says this, On one central point there is a strong consensus of opinion. The consensus can be summarized like this, The central theme in the preaching and life of Jesus Christ was the kingdom of God. But this same author points out that in the message preached by the church, Since those apostolic times, the kingdom of God has not, in fact, occupied a central place. End of quotation. Now, further distinguished names will confirm the absolute centrality of the message about the kingdom in the teaching of Jesus. Hans Kung, the famous theologian from Europe, says, This term, kingdom of God, is at the center of Jesus' proclamation. That was from Hans Kung's famous book, On Being a Christian, page 214. We hope that you will find this loss of the central theme of Jesus' teaching a challenge to further study. Call us at the telephone number to be given at the end of the program. We have some free literature for your own personal study at home. Remember that Jesus was a Jew whose teaching must be understood in his own first century context. We must beware of reading our own assumptions and traditions and prejudices into the Bible. We want to read the truth of what Jesus said straight from the Bible itself. Join us again as we continue to probe these vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.